Welcome, everyone, to The Bread of Life, a radio ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Fellowship Church in Boise, Idaho. I'm Joel Van Hoogen. It's my great honor to minister the Word of God to you today. To learn more about the significant work God has allowed us to participate in around the world in equipping evangelists and disciple-makers, go to traincpe.org. And to learn more about our church in Boise, go to breadoflifeboise.org. In Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 17, Paul is answering the question, How can one man die for all men? He does so by presenting to us the devastating impact of just one man's sin. Adam's sin opened us all up to a world of misery and death. But in that event, and its fallout, we discover an answer for how Christ's death could bring to us life. You ever had to teach your children how to be naughty? No. Have you had to teach your children how to be good? Yes. Well, that's because when they're born, they're born with little sinful natures. And that's what the Bible says. And that's why God has to come and save us from our sins. And that was the conversation he had with her. You, you might put it another way. You could, let's say you have a cute little kitten, a beautiful little kitten. What you don't know is that it's not a little kitten. It's a little tiger cub. But it just looks like a little kitten. It purrs just like a little kitten. You enjoy that little kitten and you take it and cuddle it to your breast. And you don't know that as it grows, it's going to grow up to be a tiger. And no matter how cute it is, it has the nature of a tiger. And at some point in time, you might not want to be in the same room with the tiger. Right? It might be dangerous. That's how humans are born. No matter how we look. There's a nature that's changed within us, that's roiling within us, a sinful nature. A.W. Tozer said the reason that God has graciously allowed for human beings to mature and come into maturity over a long process. You know, we raised horses when I was a boy. When a horse was two years old, you could throw a saddle on it and begin riding it. It had begun to reach into maturity. Children take another six, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 years to come to that point, even longer than that. And during that time, you're teaching and tutoring them. And Tozer said the reason that you do that is because their natures are so sinful, it takes us that long to teach them some moral constraints. If children grew up to reach their full size by the age of two, we'd be afraid to go home after work. We would open the door and throw our hat into the room to make sure that it was safe to enter into the room. Because they're born with sinful natures. Something was corrupted within us. All of human history proves that. All of human history proves that. The other day I was watching a little short video in which someone was interviewing a woman from North Korea and the man suggested to her that, you know, in our country people believe that people are born basically good. And the woman scoffed. Oh no! No, men are corrupt. If there's not some kind of constraint, if they have power, they manifest their corruption in terrible ways. If they gain ultimate power, they are corrupt over everyone around them, and well, she should know from where she came from and the experiences she had. But all of human history demonstrates this. Go to Genesis chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. Here's what Genesis 5, 1 through 3 says. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Isn't that wonderful? When God made Adam, he made Adam in his own likeness. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day that they were created. Now, Adam has sinned and Adam has fallen. You'll find that in Genesis chapter 3. Adam's son, Cain, has already committed the first murder and you'll find that in Genesis chapter 4. 
And so now there's a little bit of a synopsis. And now Adam has another son because his second son, Abel, has been murdered by Cain. And Adam has another son named Seth. Now what's going to be given is the lineage of all the children that are born from Adam, from Seth, all the way down to the next generation, the next generation, the next generation. If you read the rest of chapter 5, the stunning thing about it is you might think it's how long they live because some of them live for hundreds of years. But that's not the, that's not the stunning thing. It's that... Given the position that God had given them, the blessing that God had given them, the command that God had given them, and that they had failed that command and they disobeyed God and now they would entered under death, the big thing that you'll see in it is that each individual that's mentioned to us at the end of this story it says, and he died, and he died, and he died, and he died. Something had changed. Adam had fallen in sin. And as a result, something had changed in the history of the human race. It's actually explained here in verse 3. Adam lived 130 years, and he begot a son in his own likeness, after his image, and named him Seth. What happened? What changed? Adam was made in the image of God. The image that Adam was made in fell into corruption and decay, and then Adam began to, from that point on, produce a progeny, of which we're a part of it, who are made, not in God's image entirely, fallen, broken, but were really marked by Adam's image. And Adam's likeness in this fallen state. So what we read here is this, in this passage we just led. It says, through one man, Adam's sin, sin entered into the world and death came to all men because all have sinned. That is, all humans demonstrate that they are now infected with the sin of Adam. And in that, like Adam, all sin. All of us come to sin. Actually, this phrase, all have sinned, is the same thing you find in Romans 3.23, where it speaks of the individual's responsibility before God. It's the exact same words. It says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now it says, sin entered the world, and now death has come to all men because all have sinned. We've all followed after the air because of this nature, this change in us. We've all entered into sin. Now, let me just tell you very quickly, and this will be our point for today, and then we'll have to go forward, what this doesn't mean. I don't think this does mean. Now, there are individuals who have an argument, a different idea of what they think this means, that all have sinned. And it has been a strong argument, and it's still made by a number of individuals, and it was popular by the Reformers, who were part of the Protestant Reformation, but I, I don't agree with them. I think they're mistaken. And I understand their argument, and I can follow the argument, and it's reasonable, but I, I still think it's contrary to what the Bible teaches. I think they're mistaken, and I think actually if we were sitting together, these individuals, and we were looking before the same test, I think I could hold up quite well in my understanding. But having said all that, this is my understanding. All right? So, and it's this. Their idea is that this is actually, this phrase, because all have sinned, is a statement of original sin. And it's saying simply this, that all have come under the guilt of Adam's sin. All have come under the guilt of Adam's sin. And it means this, you are born guilty. It's not simply that you're born with the nature that Adam has. It's not that you're born with the proclivities that Adam has. It's not that you're simply born under the new conditions that Adam has brought into the world, a condition of failure and a, a condition of death and a condition in which sin is penetrating all of the fibers of creation. But it's that you're actually born under the condemnation of Adam's sin. You're guilty of Adam's sin and you bear it. So you're born guilty. That's the idea that they would teach. And there's a reason why they teach that, and I'm not going to go into all this, but I, just at this point, I think they're wrong. 
I think the idea here that all have sinned, we've already seen it in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, is speaking of the individual's accountability. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And here as well, sin came into the world because of Adam's sin, and now death comes to all men because all have sinned. And it's just an expression of our own guilt, the fact that we've carried out and we've given demonstration to the fallen nature that came upon Adam. And so... Now, here's the Jewish idea. Basically, the Jewish idea is that you're really not guilty of anything unless you have a law before you. And that after Adam, the law didn't come until a long time after that. And so the only guilt that could come to people would only be the guilt that was passed on from Adam because there was no new law that came along. And God wouldn't judge them. And so God only judged them based upon what they were born with, what Adam did. But that doesn't make sense. You see, God judged Cain when Cain sinned. It didn't mean that Abel was perfect and sinless, but God judged Cain when Cain sinned, and God banished him from a place of being able to till the ground. And the Bible says God made Cain a wanderer or a fugitive upon the earth. And Cain actually responds to God and says, this punishment is too hard for me to bear. It was punishment for his own sin and his own judgment. And then God came because sin had increased to such an extent that he sent a flood over all the earth. This is before the law was ever given. And then you might go on and read on that God dispersed the people at the Tower of Babel because of their sins and because they resisted the command of God to multiply and to diversify and cover the face of the earth and take dominion. But they tried to rally in one place and God judged them by confusing their languages and pushing them out. And then you'll see later on, before the law was ever given, that God sends fire down upon Sodom and Gomorrah destroys it. He's judging men for their own sins. And he's not judging them because they were simply born with the guilt of Adam's sin. Now that was a Jewish notion. And Paul is right now, he's beginning to rebut that notion that this is incorrect and this is not a right idea. And he could have pointed to all these things to demonstrate it. And, and then he might have wanted to remind them of what we just read in Ezekiel chapter 18. In which the prophet stands up against the Jews who have basically given this idea, well, these Gentile nations are suffering simply because they are ignorant of the law and they don't know the law. In fact, the Jew had this idea that the Jewish people were under the guilt of Adam's sin as well. But when they came to the law where the law was given and they stood on the mount of the law, they were purified under the hearing of the law. But the Gentile nations were still under the guilt of Adam's sin because they hadn't stood before that law. The prophets respond to that notion, that idea, and are correcting it all the way back in Ezekiel. Ezekiel 18, verses 2 and 3. What do you mean when you use this Proverbs concerning the land of Israel, saying the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge? Don't use that anymore. As I live, says the Lord, you shall no longer use this proverb in Israel. You, shall, you shall, won't say that. He concludes in verse 20. The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son. What's happening here, this death that you see taking place, is not because people are just born guilty. It's because they've been born fallen and corrupted and they've fall in a world in which death has entered in because of sin and it's come upon all men because all men sin. They're suffering for that reason. Romans 2.6, Paul actually says just prior to this that when God comes to bring His judgment, He will render each one according to His own deeds. Just for what they did. Not for what they were born under. Not because of the guilt of Adam. Revelation 20, verses 12 and 13. You might take your Bibles there real quickly. Revelation 20, verses 12 to 13. We read this. It's John's vision of the final judgment. And they saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades were delivered up the dead who were in them, 
and they were judged, each one according to his works. That's the final judgment. They're not to be judged by the guilt of Adam's sin. They are judged to be guilty by reason of their own sin. But listen, they do sin. They will sin because they are corrupt and have been corrupted in the sin of Adam. It all started with Adam. All of this sin, all of this death, all of this misery, all of the consequences of that sin, the floodgates of sin and death were opened in history at that time when Adam chose to disobey the clear command of God and do what he wanted instead. Now we're going to look at this a little bit more next week, but Paul is not just being bleak here. Whether you know it or not, Paul is being hopeful because he's going to show us at the end if one man's sin could bring all this misery to the world and all this death to the world, just understand he's a negative type of the positive anti-type, the positive reality of one little sin, eating of a fruit that you're not supposed to eat, could result in all of this corruption. One great, grand, complete, perfect obedience of one perfect, righteous one can set their life down as a sacrifice in order to pay for the sins of many. And if one sin can result in all this misery, one great grand righteousness in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, can produce life. In fact, they were ready to recognize the misery that the world had experienced through the sin of Adam. And he's saying, if you can recognize this, then you certainly can understand if God had sent His Son, and the Son in perfect obedience laid His life down as a sacrifice for your sins, you can understand that through Him, you can be made right with God. Thanks for joining us today at the Bread of Life. We'd love to hear from you. Go to breadoflifeboise.org and follow the links to send us a message of encouragement or a prayer request. Until the next time, may the Lord bless you.